Welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled, It Starts With Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis. Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. We are in the Rejuvenate studio in Buford, Georgia, and this episode is our conversation with Robbie Deckert, who is a USPTA certified tennis professional, as well as a master Jedi landscaper and gardener. Let us know what you think. Here we go. Good. All right. So it took us a bit to get Robbie in here, and we've only got a few minutes, so we'll jump right in. I know Robbie's probably i think i asked you this before robbie if you were if you were down to one thing that you could talk about would it be tennis or landscaping i love both but i think it would be tennis okay because that lets me be creative for many more hours at a time Uh uh-huh okay well in this case i want to we'll we'll ask you to promote your landscape design next but I want to start with the fun, the, the fun question that we have. I've got two things that I would want to ask. One is putting you on the spot to see if you can come up with it. But the main one is, and I have to change this, because our typical question is, if you were king of tennis, what would you change? But in this case, we'll assume queen, of course. But if you were queen of tennis, for whatever range, whatever scale you consider, Atlanta, the United States, the world, if you were queen of tennis, is there anything you would change or anything you would do? Yes, and I had the ideal answer last night, which eludes me. Um, one of the things, though, um, would be to put a lasso on some of the parents, the, the tennis parents. They need to inspire the kids without putting the pressure on them to win. I mean, that's one aspect. But basically, if I was king of tennis, queen, or both, um, I would have my king by my side. I would, um, the code sportsmanship for people who don't understand the code is what drives tennis it's above the rule work and in our society and pressures or what however you want to psychologically analyze it the code is out there's far too sportsmanship among the, the adults among the children and that's something i would really emphasize um, whether you're a recreational coach or a certified tennis professional to be able to inspire that in players and tournament directors, whatnot, wherever you are. Like when I played at the WTA, we had to take lessons, um, us newbies on the circuit, for um, how to answer for an interview. Basically, why did you lose? You can't say I played poorly. You know, I could say my opponent played well. I, I was off today, but she made me off. Why she played well. You know, it's not all about me, me, me. And that's the thing I think I... I would change is getting that across to the players. I like it, but how would you police that? So is that, we say it's a code and it's this, is this code among tennis players, why we call it the gentleman's sport. And I have my own theory as to how that came about and why that matters. And myself as a, as a tennis player and Bobby as the baseball guy, we'll, we'll go back and forth on that. Uh, I love time. baseball. Another time <laughs> people, another time, but how would you, if we say it's a code, it's, it's an unwritten rule. Sportsmanship is, is almost unenforceable at some levels besides what we do now. We're out you're not allowed to clap and do, how do we handle well, that pendulum swinging? When you applaud for the person you're rooting for, you also applaud 
a good shot or something well done or a good point or rally for the opponent as well. You don't have to necessarily applaud the opponent to a point where you're boosting their confidence and now they're having a, a great comeback, you know, but you have to recognize they did something good too. But the code used to be, I remember watching Jimmy Connors as I was growing up and one of my idols because of his heart. And I think heart, the heart of a championship, the heart um, of anything is key to the code. But when he would get a call against him, he and some other few other players of his time, they would miss the next ball. They would deliberately hit it. So he knows his shot was out and it gets called in by the lines judge. He would deliberately miss the next shot to give the person back the point. Then it got to the, to the point where lines judge didn't like that. And they sometimes would call something against you. I mean, so it's up to the lines judge in a way too. It was rare, but sometimes it happened or a call could accidentally go against you at any given time. So players stopped giving the point back because um, their money, it's not just their ranking and sponsorship. It's their income. Oh, you know, for a million points. dollars, do you really expect me to go? Yeah, it might have been in here. Have the next point. That's that's a really that's a really specific human being you're talking about. There. Well, nowadays you could almost afford to do it more because you have a higher income playing. Some I remember do. thirty years ago, you lose the first round at the LA Open, you still make sixty four hundred bucks. Okay, so it's a lot more now. This is sure. many years ago. I mean, in a way, it can be afforded, but am I going to do that at Wimbledon? I would like to think I would, but, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> Unlikely. But, but, but it, you have to have the most fair lines judge and referee umpire, one of the most fair ever. When he called something against Serena Williams a few years ago, she went ballistic on him. If it was a man, they would have been kicked out. You, they're not kicking out Serena. If it was another woman, they possibly would have not just point game, set match i mean there would have been more repercussions so okay, you have so pressure we're going to have you back and we're going to have the long okay. we're going to have the long well, form conversation wanted, about serena i just want to conclude is pressure from sponsorships to to help her you know achieve sponsorships have to answer that's i mean it's a possibility it's, but let's yeah let's, let's do the long let's do the long version on that one soon yeah. that's that would be very interesting to hear especially bobby's point of view as well um so you're not just a tennis coach you're also a master Jedi landscaping <laughs> gardener. Yeah, I, um, so I'm many decades as a tennis professional, certified um, every aspect. And a lot of things set me apart as a tennis pro, a cut above. As terms of a landscape designer, I'm also a classically trained back by my art degree of many years ago. I went through a complete landscape construction and design education right after I had breast cancer. I wanted to give back. I became a master gardener, which is a very rigorous course. And it was a volunteer. And that was my way of giving back, connecting people with the earth, having them come home, see something beautiful. They don't need their glass of wine when they get home. They see something nature, beautiful, all this welcoming them. Um, and I realized I didn't know enough to answer all the questions. Well, let me look it up. Well, I prefer to know. So, um, so I do all sorts of um, landscaping. Um, I am a creative um, landscape company. I take a lot of pride in providing the best services possible. 
Um, I look at landscaping and gardening as an artistic and personal adventure for my client. And it is for me too, as I get to create beauty and see the joy and love on your face. I design a special place, whatever meets your goals, your needs, your dreams. Um, I specialize in perennials, annuals, native plants, trees, shrubs, healing gardens, sod, ornamentals. I can drive a bobcat, small fenced area. I have my crew turn around in the bobcat, unless you don't want the fence. Um, so, but, um, you know, I look up rare plants. I want you to have, you want a white flowering tree? I'm going to give you something that smells great and your neighbors will never have. So um, every aspect except building a pool, water features, drainage corrections, um, and simple mulching, pruning. I don't buzz cut. I don't make meatballs out of living objects. So plants are living. I don't make those round meatballs. Um, I put in the right plant instead. You want a three foot tall plant. Why have to prune it every two weeks when I can give you the same exact color and plant that only grows to three feet instead of six feet. So, um, and I'm a horticultural and I said a designer. Um, and I, with, it's always with great enthusiasm that I approach every aspect of my landscaping, whatever project you need. Um, continuing education throughout right now, I am one course away from being a registered horticultural therapist. Horticultural therapy is not therapy for plants. It's the same thing as a recreational therapist that might have a disabled veteran and they're using recreation, things to build your self-esteem, your self-worth, cognitive oh, I abilities. Have a, I have a few disabled plants that could use a therapist. I was really Please. hoping you could talk to them when well, you get a chance, if you could come back into the studio. To boost your self-esteem and your sense of being able to take care and pro provide life for something other than plants and beyond, like maybe future children or whatever, family, your kids, I will help you learn to care for that plant and then not killing it. <laughs> oh, it's therapy um, for me so I can help the plant. Help me right. help and my that, plant. Okay. And that will help you help others. It gives you the tools whether it's physical therapy in the greenhouse, a stroke patient, um, it could be somebody very, very active that has psychological problems. It's, I love it. And it all combines. If I knew when I was in college that there was a recreational therapy degree, I would have done that and minored in R, I guess, instead. But I mean, because it's not just using sports for therapy. It's all, it could be listening to music. It could be painting, um, you know, so... Any way I can help people That's... and get them out of their box, which goes back to why I stuck with teaching tennis when I tried to give it up, I couldn't. Helping people. Oh, exactly. Sure. So if I said we've got one minute left, because we do, so we got one <laughs> minute left and I wanted a, a single tennis tip and you were to say, all right, hi, I'm Coach Robbie. I'm USPTA certified. I'm really awesome. And you should listen to me because I have thousands of years of experience and my best tip that I could give you is what for tennis? Okay, if somebody wants to become a superior player, let's say, okay? The best tip I've ever received was from Arthur Ashe when I used to do some clinics with him. What it takes is superior footwork, superior strokes, superior heart and intellect. You have to create winning and the heart is the desire, no matter what, you know, it's, 300 degrees outside, it's three hours and you're dead tired. Well, your opponent's more tired than you. You just don't know it. So that's your heart. And so you combine the heart, the strokes. You've got to develop that, your speed, 
conditioning. Um, and then that lets you be the master of how you choose to use your strategy on the court. Well, there you have it. We want to thank Rejuvenate for the use of the studio. Be sure to check out the Rejuvenate Wellness is a Journey podcast at rejuvenate.com forward slash listen. Check out our other episodes at atlantatennispodcast.com. Also, find us at Atlanta Tennis Podcast on social media. Let us know what you think about our conversations, but also click that follow button. Whether you listen to every episode or just want to listen periodically, you can follow in your podcast app, which helps us keep the show going. With that, we're out. See you next time.